The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC. An equal housing lender. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter, and the guest co-host chair is Bunky Perkins. And today's guest on Talk of Champions is Mike Clement, Ole Miss hitting coach, because Ole Miss baseball is deep into fall practices. So might as well provide an update. We're going to talk plenty of football with Bunky. Had Ronnie Hamilton on to talk some basketball on Tuesday. SEC Media Day for basketball was yesterday, Wednesday. So we've got all bases covered here on Talk of Champions, but Bunky talks football. He's Bunky Perkins. At Bunky Perkins on Twitter, he's back. He's back for more. Hey, buddy. I guess. I guess I'm back for more. You're always so excited to be on Talk of Champions. I am. I am. You always brighten up my day. You are Mr. Positivity, Mr. Sunshine, and it's uh, the highlight of my day, really. Sarcasm does not wear well on you, sir. <laughs> Was it that blatantly obvious? Yeah. So what's uh, your thoughts right now on Ole Miss football? Lukewarm. Not as bad as I guess I was expecting. I'm very optimistic about the future, given the talent that we clearly have in the freshman class. John Ross Plumley is the perfect quarterback for what Rich Rod wants to do. The longer we do this quarterback switching stuff, the less effective our offense will be. Before we really get going here on Talk of Champions, let me tell you about my bookie and impact by Ironwood. With pro football, college football, and the MLB playoffs in full swing and both hockey and basketball around the corner, now is the time to get off the sidelines and get in on the action. If you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing. Go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. If you really want to support your team this season, don't just sit on the sidelines. Get in the game. Mybookie.ag. And if you join right now, mybookie will double your first deposit. And all you got to do is use the promo code TOC, Talk of Champions, TOC. And when you do, you'll activate the offer. That's promo code TOC to double your cash. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, and you get paid. 
Business owners, did you know you can support Ole Miss Athletics every time you accept a debit or credit card payment? That's right. Impact by Ironwood offers the best debit and credit card payments processing tools around, and they'll donate a portion of their profits to the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation in your name. The best part, you don't have to spend an extra dime to get exclusive member benefits, earn donor priority points, and support your Ole Miss Rebels. To learn more, call 1-833-GO-TEAMS. That's 1-833-GO-TEAMS. Or go to www.impactolemiss.com. That's impactolemiss.com. Make a difference. Make an impact. How bad is it that the most fun sports-wise I had on Saturday was not watching and following and covering Ole Miss playing at Missouri, but making a gif, making fun of Steve Robertson? Because, I mean, God, look at that guy. I'm going to get so much mileage out of that. I very much appreciate that uh, you sent that to me. I, I think they're going to be doing a lot of that this year, a lot of uh, somber looks and uh, slow, slowly sauntering into camera frame. So look forward to some more uh, content from you on that end. But, yeah, I didn't watch a ton of the Mizzou game. I watched a little bit of it, about half of the LSU-Florida game. I'm basing a lot of my assumptions on our offense based on the couple series I saw, plus I watched pretty much all of the Vandy games. So in terms of Vandy, is that one of the worst Vandy teams we've seen in like 20 years? Yeah, and why are you watching Vandy? Well, because I knew we'd win. I'm like, ah, it's an, oh. I'm, I'm going I'm to get a win. Let's, right. let's watch. It's a weird place to be for Ole Miss to not be in a tight, close contest with Vanderbilt late. Yeah, I didn't know what to do with myself. I was, uh, I didn't know what to do with all that excess anxiety that I had ready to go by the fourth quarter. But yeah, they are really bad, which is kind of shocking. Not shocking because it is Vanderbilt, but like that first year under Derek Mason, he looked completely overmatched when when we played him. But he's gotten better over the years, and they've been competent football teams for the most part. He's three and zero against Tennessee, I think. Which doesn't say a lot, but I mean, the fact that they are one three consecutive against Tennessee in his Vanderbilt, I guess, is an important statement. But like, they're not good, like, at all. My at question all. is Is he the top of the list of SEC coaches on the hot seat? I think he is. And he also should probably be on the top of the list of future defensive coordinators for somebody because he's, I think he's a good coach. I just, you've got to be something really special to win consistently at Vanderbilt. And when I say win, I mean like seven wins a year. And so, yeah, I think he's at the top of the list. Pruitt's probably right behind him. And then Chad Morris is right there after that, which if you were making the list at the beginning of the year, that's probably your top three. I really thought if Auburn went sideways, which they still might, I thought Gus might sneak in there. I don't think Chad Morris gets fired, but man, you go 0-16 over a two-year span in the SEC, that's really bad. And like they're looking at it straight in the face. Give Gus Malzahn credit. He's a survivor, man. Man, alligator blood over there on the plains. Every time you think that this is the year that they get tired of him and fire him midseason, like he puts something together. Now, granted, we'll, we'll see how they uh, plays out the rest of the year. I mean, at the beginning of the year, I wouldn't have given Ole Miss even a shot to beat Auburn. Now, I, I mean, I at least think we're going to give them some some problems. Their defensive line's still really good. 
But, I mean, they do have a freshman quarterback, and if he plays like a freshman quarterback. Did you see, I, I think I tweeted it out uh, earlier in the week, they interviewed Pruitt just about what his game plan was going to be against Alabama this week. And he mentioned uh, Pulaski Academy out of Little Rock, who, if you don't know anything about them, they don't punt, and they also only kick onside kicks. They're pretty successful at it. They've won a bunch of state titles. Now, granted, I've never been to one of their games, but I've got to imagine that's the longest football game on earth. If you're a high school reporter in Pulaski, Arkansas, I've been on those sidelines for high school football games, covering games just to make ends meet. Mm -hmm. My God, I can't imagine the questions you ask yourself internally covering a game like that, knowing it's going to last like six hours. Right. I saw, I think it was earlier in the year, their quarterback was like player of the week or whatever in the state of Arkansas. And he had like 10 touchdowns in the game. And I was like, holy cow, they must have really killed whoever they played. No, the final score of that game was like 70-something to 50-something. I was like, oh my God, that game must have lasted eight hours. That sounds horrible. <laughs> but getting back to my point was that Pruitt said he's even thinking about trying that. Which I'm saying, yes, you should absolutely do that. I want to see it happen. I want to see somebody do it, like have the guts to do it. And really, there's only two types of coaches that would be able to do that. Somebody who is bulletproof. But if you're bulletproof, for the most part, you don't need to do that because you're probably winning games anyway. Or somebody that has nothing to lose, which technically you can't lose your job. But if you're going to lose it anyway, don't just whimper out of that job. Really go down with the plane on fire. I don't think he'll do it, but somebody's got to eventually just to try the experiment at that level. Think of the balls on Philip Fulmer. Finds a way to finagle his way into the athletic director job at Tennessee. Hires Jeremy Pruitt. That's his hire. Jeremy Pruitt is a disaster. He's going down in flames. He's probably number two behind Derek Mason as far as how hot his seat is. And yet, Philip Fulmer, no one's questioning his judgment. Everyone's trusting him to do it again. Every time I think about the smoldering pile of rocks that is held, not only the athletic program, but the entirety of the administration at, at the current juncture, I always look at Tennessee. I'm like, yeah, it could be worse. I don't think Pruitt makes it out. I mean, th that win against State helps. Maybe he sneaks in one or two more. Maybe he beats Vandy. I mean, you got to beat Vandy. God, they're so bad. I wouldn't let him in the locker room. Knoxville would be on fire. Like, that's how bad Vandy is. Like, they're really bad, historically so, which is tough because Vandy's always historically bad. But, like, this year, they're just – their defense stinks. They don't have a quarterback. They have no playmakers. You're never going to be more than what you've gotten under Derek Mason, and that's years of bowl eligibility, and there are going to be years where it's really, really bad. So you have to ask yourself, what do you want to be? Do you want to be consistently going to bowls to where if you're under Derek Mason, you're probably going to go to a bowl – Three out of six years, three out of five, that's better than what your history shows for Vanderbilt. That's a tough job. And Correct. there's rumors out there that Mike McIntyre might be a candidate at Vanderbilt. That's one of the toughest jobs in the country. You're never going to win big at Vanderbilt. But what's crazy is I think if Mason gets fired, there are going to be a lot of people angling for that job. I completely agree with you. That's the, I mean, that's one of the toughest jobs in college football, not because of a lack of funding or anything else. It's just because of the schedule and who you're playing against. I think if he gets fired, there's going to be a lot of people go, going after that job. So Also because um, for that job, if you win in any type of fashion in three years, 
you're going to get a good job. You're going to get a good job and you should leave. Like Derek Mason should already left. It depends what insane message board you read or who you talk to that Chad Morris is in trouble. I don't think he is. I think he's got at least one more year because he does have a really good recruiting class. The freshmen that are playing now, they're good. It's just they're two transfer quarterbacks. Neither of them panned out. The kid from SMU really can't throw it 35 yards. I've yet to see him make a confident pass past 30 yards. And then the kid from Texas A&M, he's just yeah, he's so hot and cold. He'll make a great play and then he'll do something really stupid. They needed to win that Kentucky game. They could have won the Texas A&M game. I just I don't know who else they beat at this point. They played Ole Miss. Ole Miss beat them like a drum. I mean, I don't know where the wins are coming from. So that'll be an interesting – because he has a really good staff, right? He's got Chief as his defensive coordinator. I mean, he's it's not like he's just trying to do it on his own. I just As much as Arkansas fans don't want to admit it, sometimes that is a really tough job from a recruiting standpoint because even if you recruit all the best players in Arkansas every year, it doesn't mean much because Arkansas is a small state with only a few places where good high school football is played. If you get all those players, you're still kind of behind the eight ball. So then you have to go into Louisiana and Texas and Oklahoma and try to pull players and you're competing against all those schools that are in those states plus everybody else that's going into those states trying to get players it's tough and unless you have a year where you've got really good high school players coming out of arkansas i.e like the Darren mcfadden years or something like that i mean it's a tough racket even though they've got a ton of money great facilities fayetteville actually is a wonderful place i'm not just saying that because i'm married to it essentially i think they need to be a little more patient but their history shows that they are never patient Chad Morris is a blessed football coach. Nobody has fallen upwards like Chad Morris. He's a good football coach. Is he, though? Can we really say that? I think you can. Is he better than other options out there? I don't know. He hasn't won really anywhere. In college, yes. I mean, he was the offensive coordinator. And he's a head coach in college. Yeah. He did okay at SMU, and I think that Arkansas fired Bielema, which they should have. But when they did, they didn't have a plan. They chased a couple of people that were not coming there. By the time the dust settled, they looked around. It was like, well, everybody good has been hired. Who do we hire? Well, Chad Morris is good enough. He's okay. I think they go into that a lot of times when they just don't freeze without the ego. No, he actually is a very nice guy. Yeah, good dude. From all that I've glean from people that know him or, and are on his staff and he is Hugh Freeze light not only maybe in demeanor but also just in his coaching I mean like he, he runs a very similar offense obviously he came out of a successful high school program he was Jevin Sneed's football coach in at Stephenville he's a good recruiter too I just I don't know what the deal is they just unfortunately it's kind of one of those deals where when you lose a bunch of games it's tough getting over the hump you remember the Orgeron years like we knew we had talent and we knew it was there and just a, it was a matter of like finally getting over that hump and like winning a football game and like then get some momentum going the other way and so Arkansas needs that momentum and that Kentucky game would have helped tremendously but it didn't so here we are all three of those guys in trouble we're going to get right back to Bunky Perkins in this edition of Talk of Champions after I tell you about Grove Sharks tailgating and Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions Ole Miss football is back at home, and that means great food, friends, and fun in the Grove. Let the experts at Grove Sharks tailgating take care of all your needs before the party begins and the Rebels kick off at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. 
Grove Shark still has a few packages left for the weekend or the remainder of the season that can provide tents, chairs, coolers, and TV accommodations, among many different items. Visit Grove Sharks at GroveSharks.com or like them on Facebook at Grove Sharks Tailgating. You can also reach Grove Sharks owner Eric Trimble at 662-816-3493. That's 662-816-3493. If you're in the market for a new car, there is no better time to buy at Allen Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Not only do they now have in stock the 2020 Jeep Gladiator, which is half Wrangler, half truck, it's the perfect car for me, but also 20% off select Ram trucks. And I know, I know, no one really loves the car buying process. I'm with you. It can be overwhelming. You're just looking for the best deal. Well, Allen Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford is here for you. And what separates Allen Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford is Brian and Mason and the rest of the staff aim to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Tell them Talk of Champions sent you. Maybe that'll help when you buy that 2020 Jeep Gladiator, that 4x4 truck you've been looking for. 20% off right now. Select Ram Trucks. Contact them today at 662-234-8000. You can stop by and see them at 2201 East University Avenue in Oxford. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. Chad Morris desperately wanted the Ole Miss job. And I was talking about this on the soccer field before my daughter's soccer game Tuesday night. I was asked about what he would have been like at Ole Miss. It would have been a disaster. Yeah, he's recruited well at Arkansas this year. But say what you want about Matt Luke. Yeah, he's got his faults as a head coach, and we've discussed all those ad nauseum, but the recruiting has really kept Ole Miss afloat. This 2019 class could be better than the 2016 class, which sounds blasphemous, but overall it could end up being that way. That class has saved him. Like, I don't understand why he's even dealing with Corral at this point. Dude, ride the young kids until you can't ride them anymore. Like, they're playing super well. The defense is clearly – improved under Mike McIntyre. Corral does have better arm talent, but yeah. John Rice is moving the football. And what it does if you're Matt Luke and you're looking out for yourself and self-preservation is it's a built-in excuse. When you're playing that many freshmen, you can say, well, look how young we are. And it's not an argument that anyone can go against all that much because that 2017 class that was all Hugh Freeze was a disaster. Only seven contributors out of that class so far, and it doesn't look like it's going to get any better. So if you're Matt Luke, you can say, this is my group, this is what we can look like, this is what we'll look like, and that might buy you some more goodwill and time. But at the end of the year, if you're four and eight, that's tough. Do I think Chad Morse would be worse at this point is the question. And yeah, I do. I think Chad Morse would have been horrible here. And he really wanted this job. And he was yeah. considered to a point. Ross Bjork eliminated anybody in that search that had any type of red flag in their background. Mike Norvell wanted the job, eliminated. Charlie Strong, everybody knows what Charlie Strong went through. A number of different guys that wanted the job that they didn't truly consider after how embarrassing the dismissal of Hugh Freeze was. And when it came down to the real pool of candidates, it was Matt Luke, it was Dave Doran, and Chad Morse was in there. And Chad Morse, in my opinion, far and away the worst option in that group. And, and that's what's crazy. Everyone always says, okay, if Matt Luke was fired today, who else would hire him? Let me ask you a question. If you had to choose between Matt Luke right now or Chad Morris, where are you going? Only if you're telling me that we have the coordinators we have currently. Yeah. Could you imagine if Longo was still the offensive coordinator and we had the kids we have now, no. freshman-wise? Tisdale would be starting. John Rice wouldn't be here. Yeah, no, you're right about that. I will say this about Morris and, and the Ole Miss job. He was probably never going to get that job because of his association yeah. with a certain family that also had a association with Hugh Freeze. And that's Just un- say that's, Sean that, Tui. It's okay. That's unfair and unfortunate. 
because that's neither a mark against Chad Morris or the Tui family. That's a, a mark against Hugh Freeze. And unfortunately, everybody that gets associated with him when it comes to Ole Miss takes an L. So that's just what it is. When they hired Luke, was that really an inspired hire? No, no it, it wasn't. But in hindsight, what we had to deal with and where we are now and more so what we can be in the future, I'm okay. I just don't I know how much longer Matt Luke truly has. And I say that because I don't know what the leadership is at Ole Miss. We don't know what yeah. Glenn Boyce is going to do. And we don't know who yeah. the AD is going to be. So I don't right. know if 4-8 and eight still doesn't keep Matt Luke here for a year. We haven't been able to establish what his timeline is as far as will he be in trouble if this happens? Will he be in trouble if that happens? Is he okay if he does this? You can do it with Chad Morse right now, Jeremy Pruitt, Derek Mason, whoever. And yet with Matt Luke... No one truly knows, and that's why Ole Miss is a bigger mess than anywhere else. I see your point there, and, and I think until a AD is hired, you're right that it is all in limbo. If it's if it's Keith, great. If it's not, it depends when he gets in. Like whoever the AD is, if he's put in position after the football season, Luke probably gets another year. But if he gets hired this week, well, then maybe that changes. I don't know. It gives him time to evaluate. The season plus gives them a head start on looking for a new coach. You're almost scared to make a move now because you see the potential under the current offensive coordinator with the current freshman, right? And you're not going to bring somebody in that has the same offensive philosophy because there's not a lot of them. Yeah, but I'm not sure if Will Hall wouldn't be better than Rich Rod. I understand that, but also see, and I wasn't like super high on Rich Rod when we hired him, but I am seeing returns on that investment. I'm seeing, oh, look, when we have players that fit into his system, it's effective. Does it completely fit into what our personnel is overall? Maybe not, because we do have a lot of really good young wide receivers. And how much are we going to throw under Rich Rod? Is kind of a good question, especially with Plumley as a quarterback who's marginal, I guess, as a thrower would be a, a, a nice term to use. Maybe I'm in the minority. Like maybe everybody's like, God, we need to get rid of Luke and like hire somebody. No, and, I'm like, just playing devil's advocate please. more than anything else. Yeah, but I, I'm okay. Like I think it's okay. Like I'm fine with us not having a good record this year as long as I see improvement. That was kind of that was my whole thing. I was like, if we make a bowl, great. But I just want to see us play hard, and I've seen that we're playing hard. It's not just a dumpster fire. It's not oh we have multiple NFL players on our team and we can't win six games. It's not that. Just so. give Jerry Neely the ball more. Oh my gosh, yes, give him the ball more. He's a difference maker. Like, give him the ball. Look, I didn't go to Columbia. I had a 15-year high school reunion. Didn't know you had 15-year high school reunions, but I went, got a little drunk, drunk tweeted more than anything, watched most of the game, not all of it, all of the second half. And one thing I can't get over is Matt Luke still hasn't won a game he's not supposed to. And that's why Texas A&M, if you can win that game, it changes the narrative a lot. I don't think Ole Miss fans have a ton of optimism when they go into games that they're going to win that football game if it's not an obvious win for them, like a New Mexico State. And it used to be, right. at least for that long period under Freeze, and I hate Hugh Freeze. I don't want to get into that too much. But it used to be that you expected Ole Miss to go in and possibly beat any team it lined up against. Now with Ole Miss, you're just hoping that happens. At what point do you change that narrative to where now Ole Miss is expected to not only be competitive but possibly pull out a win – because I don't think there's a lot of hope right now. And hope and not having it is a really dangerous thing. Apathy with the fan base is when you're, as a program, in a very dangerous position, if that makes sense. 
it'll be interesting to see what the attendance is against A&M. I legitimately think, like at the beginning of the year, if you'd asked me, do we have any chance to beat A&M or Auburn this year? I'd be like, no, no, not a chance. But after midway through the season, I'm not saying we're going to beat them, but I'm not saying it's not completely out of the realm of possibilities that we give them a run, especially at home. A&M's not great. They're well coached. I just don't think they're talented. Kellen Mond, had he made like the leap from first year under Jimbo to second year, maybe they're a better football team, but he hasn't. Like he's not any better than he was last year. Still a good runner, marginal passer. There's a chance that you can beat him. Auburn starting a freshman quarterback always is going to give you a chance. He he could throw four touchdowns or he could throw four interceptions. It's really either or. And I've seen marketed improvement in the offensive schemes and the defensive effort on Ole Miss's part. I think a lot of that has to do with our two coordinators who know what they're doing. I have hope. I have optimism. I don't know if I have hope. I have optimism. I'm optimistic about the future of Ole Miss football going forward, which I haven't been able to say in, oh, I don't know, four years. I am optimistic about where we are because I think we are a better football team than I thought we were going to be. And I see improvement week to week, which is another sign of, hey, we've got good coaches that are doing their jobs. Mike McIntyre uh, has been everything and more that I thought he could Dude, he's so he's good. I, yeah. Look, look, man, to go from having a guy who should never have been a defensive coordinator, and I like Crime Dog as a person. Unfortunately, he was in a bad situation and got a job he shouldn't have had probably. Then going to McIntyre, who is a head coach, but is also a very good defensive coordinator, has been pretty awesome. He's, he's our best good. defensive coordinator we've had last 25 years. Oh, you're saying Chuck draws back in the guy? Usually, no. The defense is competent for the first time in quite a while. Like, And that's all I think a lot of people wanted. Just don't be a sieve. Look like you know what you're doing, and they certainly are that. They're one of the better run defensive teams, which that never happens. I think he has been a great hire. I'm not sure how long we'll have him. I think he's a head coach somewhere. But while he's here, I'm glad I'm glad we've got him. And so that's where my optimism lies. It's like, hey, we hired good coordinators. And you hope that Luke, as he loses coordinators, because he will eventually, be able to add guys who with similar abilities instead of just like promoting. Let's not promote Tyrone Nix, okay? If Mike McIntyre leaves, okay? I know he's on staff, but let's maybe think outside the box a little bit this time. Use the Dabo mold as far as hiring good coordinators. It's worked really well for Ed Orgeron, and we know he is not a good coach. He's hired very competent people to handle the things that he's not good at. Can we say that about Ed O anymore? Because I think he's 30-something and 12. Yeah. Yeah, a couple times as a head coach. I'm saying that he's figured it out. He's doing what a lot of coaches refuse to do, and that is identify your deficiencies and find the best guy possible to help you in those areas. Basically, it was like, okay, who do I have to hire to win? That's all I want to do. Let me hire the best offensive coordinators, the best defensive coordinators. Money's no object at LSU. Let me hire the best guys I can find to run our offense. Now, granted, having Joe Burrow helps. And I want full credit, by the way. The last time I was on here and you asked me who was my dark horse 
SEC player, player SEC player of the year, and I said Joe Burrow, and you kind of scoffed a little bit. I did. My man is now maybe the Heisman front runner, maybe the number one draft pick come uh, this spring. You nailed it. My one correct statement. I'll, I will write it until it, it bucks me, which will probably be the Alabama game. Ryan Walters, the defensive coordinator from Missouri, said this about Plumlee. I've never played one that fast, that play that got called back. I'm standing kind of in the plane of the line of scrimmage. And as soon as he broke the line, I'm like, he's gone. And sure enough, he was. The guy was moving so fast. Ole Miss, they're going to be good for a while, especially on offense. You love that as a competitor, and he's going to be a good player for sure. That's the question. Do you want this staff handling to John Rice Plumlee, Jerrion Ely, and Jonathan Mingo through their two prime years, sophomore and junior, or do you want it to be someone else? And I think that's what the leadership, whatever it ends up being, has to decide at some point. I don't think it's happening this year, but it could happen next year. Your future is in this freshman class, and that's Matt Luke's class, and he deserves all the credit for it. The question, though, long-term is, if you want to maximize that talent, is Matt Luke and his staff currently the way to go? And that's the question that leadership we're going to have to answer. How good do you want your baseball team to be is basically the question. <laughs> you want them to be real good? Okay, fire Matt Luke and hire somebody who can't play with these kids because Ely for sure has, I think, come out and said he's playing baseball in the future. That's what he Everybody do, says that Kyler football. said that, but I'm looking That's at this true. kid in the football field and those NFL contracts aren't nothing to mess with. That's true. Because there's no guarantee uh, you get out of the say, minor leagues. In the NFL, you get yeah. your guaranteed money up front. Yeah, you might not get to a second contract, but Jerion could be a millionaire in the NFL pretty quickly. Yeah, I, I would just say under the current offensive staff and head coach, I think we are going to maximize the ability of those guys with that offense. I don't think if you came in and started running an air raid with John Ross Plumlee, that's not going to work. He's not that good a thrower. Maybe he turns into one, but he's not right now. But he's he is an elite athlete he's not just white guy fast like he is fast Bo wallace he was white guy fast he was sneaky quick chad kelly too yeah chad kelly's white guy fast Plumley is just freaking fast there was one that touchdown he ran there was like a 40 yard run even the commentators were like holy cow that guy's fast like he just ran by the defense if he can figure so, it out to how to be competent just competent and a threat in the passing game on a consistent basis in any type of way that kid's mm -hmm. got the most massive ceiling of anybody. Then the other kind of secondary concern maybe is something to think about when you're out evaluating whether you keep Matt Luke or not. I think that the upcoming recruiting class in Mississippi from a wide receiver standpoint is pretty good, more than pretty good. I think they're really good. Are you going to be able to recruit those kids running the current offense? I don't know. Yeah, you don't hear much about the NWO anymore. Yeah, we do have good receivers. I think we the freshmen are actually really good. Yeah, I think Mingo's going to be A.J. Brown light. Yeah, he's got some real talent. But we were going to have to throw the ball more to keep those kind of kids. And so I, I had a lot of fun running for 400 yards against Vandy. Hell, if we can do that a lot, I'm, who needs to throw? Just don't it be just, Georgia Tech. For sure, for sure. And Rich Rod's offenses never were. I would argue that Rich Rod's most exciting offense – was Pat White and Steve Slayton. Could Pat White throw a football? I mean, he was okay, but he was an elite runner, and so was Steve Slayton. But for a stupid loss at the end of the season, would have probably played in the national championship. Does that work in 2019, though, on a consistent basis? We'll see. John Rice is Pat, and Jerry Ely is Steve Slayton. Now you're going to ask if yeah. that can work in the SEC in 2019. 
do you throw the dice and say, can that work? Because if it was 2007 and these kids were our kids, we'd have a really good shot. So what is it the same? That's my Ole Miss take. I probably won't have very many more this year, but that's it. (laughs) When you look at Ole Miss and you wonder about John Rice Plumlee and his ceiling, if you ask Gus Malzahn, be honest, gun to your head, Bo Nix or John Rice Plumlee, I don't think it's a debate. He'd love John Rice Plumlee. He wants to run the football. Yeah, he would love that guy. State would give their firstborn for him right now, for sure. I like Schrader, though. He's young. I think he'll be competent for him, but they got bigger problems than that. Got to get to Mike Clement on the Modern Woman phone line, but he's Bunky Perkins at Bunky Perkins. We'll say goodbye and jump to Mike. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review, Talk of Champions in iTunes. Also available in SoundCloud and should be wherever you get your podcast. Just simply search Talk of Champions. Thank you, Bunky. I appreciate it. No problem, man. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Bunky Perkins going now to the Modern Woman phone line to speak to Ole Miss hitting coach Mike Clement. Ole Miss baseball is deep into fall practices, so let's find out how things are going. But before we do, let me tell you about the Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood, and Cheney's Pharmacy, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. What do we know about living in Oxford right now? One, it's expensive. And two, if you live on one side of town and you want to go to the other side of town, It takes an hour to get through traffic. We're all jammed, packed in like sardines in this town. But have no fear. The Lamar, Oxford's only traditional neighborhood, is under construction. Brought to you by John Welty Realty. A traditional neighborhood means right where you live. A grocery store, a brewery, restaurants, shops, all within walking distance of your front door. But what about the houses? Custom high-end spec houses. Beautiful finishes, open concept, modern two-story houses. If you're looking for a three-bedroom, a two-bedroom, a one-bedroom, you'll find a fit with any of these three spacious layouts. So don't delay. Get in with the Lamar right now. Build-out is happening. For more information, contact John Welty at john at johnweltyrealty.com. That's john at johnweltyrealty.com. Or give him a call at 662-23-HOMES. When it's football season, all you want to do is be around football. Even when you make your trip to the pharmacy, you want to see Ole Miss. The best pharmacy to go to, the only Ole Miss pharmacy really to go to, is Cheney's Pharmacy for all your pharmaceutical needs. Cheney's offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive through and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally-owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. So give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221. Or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online, Cheney'sPharmacy.com. And Cheney's Ole Miss is always in season. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. Joining me now on the Modern Women phone line, it's Ole Miss hitting coach Mike Clement, friend of the program, been on this podcast a number of times. Mike, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing well. I almost uh, I almost tweeted at you a couple of weeks ago when you were talking about get Patrick Willis is the is the one guy. It's like your dream guy to get on the podcast. Yeah. And I almost tweeted, hey, uh, guy that hasn't been on there, right? Because I know I'm I'm the I'm the dream guy. But I've been on there, and so between Willis and I, it was just you were talking about guys that haven't been on yet, correct? Yeah, man, sure. Live your truth. <laughs> Y'all are in the middle of fall so, baseball practices, man. How's it going? It's going well. It's uh, it's a fun group to coach, you know, and I think uh, part, part of saying fun is, you know, there's no wins and losses right now, and it's a young group. But, um, you know, the, the, the fun in it is the energy and, and the new 
um, and you know some really talented guys that uh, that are trying to get their feet wet in our program and learn our system. And um, it's 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 been really enjoyable with 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 a, with a bunch of new guys. Okay, so offensively, that's the challenge. You know what the pitching is going to be. So when you look at this group, it's Tyler Keenan, maybe some Kevin Graham, and you know Anthony Servideo is factoring in somewhere else. But who stood out so far as maybe they could be ready to contribute once the season rolls around in February? Yeah, you, you, you've nailed it from the, from the pitching side of things. And um, the guys that are obviously going to be the, the, the cornerstone of the offense, you, you, you said it exactly right. And those are guys we're, we're going to count on. And I think before I get to new guys, I think, you know, the important part to us having a, a really good offense is going to be um, what we've had the last few years. And that's guys that were in the program um, that, that get better, that develop. We're talking about, you know, guys like Tim Elko, J- Justin Bench, Knoxville Posser, um, those kinds of names um, that have been around. And I think probably everyone knows the names, um, but, but kind of time for them to step forward in the more, more prominent roles and, and more success, just to be completely honest. Uh, you know, it's kind of that um, 2017 role into 2018 for Dillard, Kessinger, and Zabowski, and those type of guys that, that really took a step forward. I think it's time for some of those those new guys. And in answer to your directly to your question, you know, about who's impressed, um, I think the two junior college guys have been good. You know, Kale Baker has – uh, had a really good inner squad on Monday, so it's kind of fresh in my mind. Hit a double, hit a home run, um, and, it, and I think he started to feel really comfortable. He's the guy that, if you come out and watch his BP, um, it's very disciplined BP. It almost uh, tries to force everything the other way, but he kind of knows what he's doing when he gets in trouble. He kind of flies off the ball, um, but 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 is, has started to, I think, get comfortable and have some really, really quality of bats for us, and I think those guys are important, too, and um, you know, Trey LaFleur hit a home run the other day when we played Arkansas State. And, um, you know, there's some there's some really good pieces with him and Peyton Dunhurst, uh, Peyton Chatnier. I, I, those those guys have kind of st- stuck out from an offensive perspective on guys that maybe aren't scared and, and aren't scared to, to go compete right away, and um, they look like they belong. Tim Elko is a guy we've talked about for so long now. He was batting fourth on Saturday in the scrimmage. You've seen the offensive production in practices, but bringing it to games consistently has been a problem. How does Tim finally do that? Yeah, I think uh, you're exactly right. And I think part of it for him and had a long talk with him yesterday is just about um, believing that he's good enough and then going out and competing from pitch to pitch. You know, I think that's what, um, you know, when, when I, when I spoke with him yesterday directly about that, um, you know, the guy, the guy that I brought up was Will Golson. Will Golson from a couple of years ago is a guy who, if you just come out and watch his practice, the swing is kind of, eh, kind of gross. Um, and everything he did, nothing probably stood out. Um, and Elko has, has, has far greater tools than what Will had. But my point with, with, with bringing up Golson was that guy knew how to compete and he was going to go uh, throw down with you every time that there was something on the line to compete with. And because of that, he had success. Now you have to have a, you know, an element of talent to be able to do that. But Tim does have that. And I think, um, you know, Tim it, by nature is a pleaser um, and uh, he wants to do well. And sometimes that gets him in trouble as far as um, don't worry about what anyone else thinks. You just, you just, you just go get after it. And I think he's, I think he's getting close to that point of a guy that's just going to um, get tired of, 
of being average, being in and out of the lineup and being a platoon guy and um, time to step forward and be a guy, something similar to Henry Lartique from a few years ago, who was kind of a role player for two years and then was a first team all SEC catcher um, his junior year and a full, I don't know, whatever it was, fifth or sixth rounder and is still playing professional baseball. It was just his time. And I think he was tired of uh, walking on eggshells and just went out and did it. And I think Tim's to that point in his career right now. John Rice and Jerrion have both been taking swings in the cage throughout every single week, but they can't really be involved with practices because they got football going on. So fall ball for them, is it non-existent? Do y'all stay in touch with them? How does that work? Yeah, they come over uh, multiple times a week. Um, in fact, uh, we're over here the other day uh, when we were scrimmaging and just kind of hanging out in the dugout. Um, here's the thing. It's hard for me to give a great evaluation because, uh, yeah, I work with them in the cages. Um, but you know, until, uh, until bullets start flying, it's hard to know, but, um, here's the thing about those guys. And I think I probably told you this on the last time I was on before, maybe even football season started, um, Plumlee, this guy may be the president of the United States someday. So like, there's something about this kid, um, uh, that when he walks into our locker room once a week or twice a week. Um, he just has the galvanizing personality. Um, he's easy to like, um, he relates well with like every different guy we got and, uh, nothing will surprise me with that guy. And it's easy to say that right now. Um, but you know, from you and I talking either, uh, off or on the record, uh, he just has the it factor and, and I don't want to put too much on that guy's plate, but nothing will surprise me with him. Um, and he, uh, he's right there with them. And so they have big personalities and they're really confident kids. Um, and I expect them to be right there in the mix when, when they get over here with us full time in January. Um, I, I, you know, I think, I think they're in the mix. I think they're confident that they can play. Um, and it's something they've done their whole life. They've dedicated, you know, their whole fall to football. And then when it's baseball season, they play baseball. So I think they just expect it to, uh, to happen that way and there's something to be said about that kind of confidence in a kid john rice has already shown at playing quarterback kids incredibly fast what's his run time from home to first base yeah they're they're both uh uh really really fast they're both going to be like they both hit right-handed so uh they're both going to be like sub four two guys and so uh home to first as you know that that that's that's getting down the line um and four two would be on a on a full swing and probably back on their heels coming out of the box uh, they're definitely going to put pressure on, uh, on defenses, which will surprise no one that's listening, you know, just flip on the TV on, uh, on Saturdays. And, uh, you see those guys already do that. It's just, uh, my hope that they both stay upright, uh, in the fall so they can, they can, they can get over and, and, and help us out because there have been, uh, a couple of weeks here lately where, um, they are definitely, uh, spend a little more time stretching before they pick up a bat to, uh, to get, to get the kinks out. So um, that, that sport over there is brutal on the body. Doug Nikhazy hit a homer the other day. He's not an offensive player now, is he? Uh, I watched the video of it this morning again. Um, he hit it and stood there like he knew uh, <laughs> he knew what he was doing. That's my uh, guy. And so uh, this guy, similar to what we just talked about, Plumlee, uh, super confident. And so uh, we throw him in there and let him hit and enter squads, and uh, he may screw around and get a few at-bats this year. Oh, what about Gunner? Gunner has been really good. I think if you would ask me a month ago, I think Gunner was probably a little further along. The challenge for us, uh, we're really left-handed dominant, and both those guys swing the bat left-handed. 
uh, talking about Gunner and Doug. And so it's where do you, those guys are, uh, you know, I'm not telling any secrets. Those guys are both going to be weekend pitchers for us. And so it gets really challenging to figure out, all right, do we really want one of our weekend guys, you know, taking a ball off a finger and being out for a month? That, that's where it gets challenging for us. But they're both swinging the bat. They're both going to get a full fall's worth of the bats. And uh, we're going to put the best guys out there. And if it's those guys, uh, we'll find a way to, uh, to, to, to do that. And, and uh, they both swung it pretty well early in the fall. Just pinch hit him in the midweek. Yeah, that, that may be it. But if they're one of our best guys, we're going to want to uh, – we're going to want to uh, hit him hit him against Florida on uh, Friday oh, night God. too. <laughs> oh man. What about Hayden Leatherwood, Kale Baker? I talked to both those guys. Kale started a little slow, but uh you recruited those guys not to sit but to come in and make an immediate impact. Have you seen that? Yeah, no question. Um yes, with both those guys. I think that they with the college at bats under their belt, just the ma- the maturity of their bats have been have been really good. And and like you said, we recruit those guys to step in and to to hit for us. Bake is, uh, like you said, a big guy. He looks like he should go put on shoulder pads and a helmet. Has had a ton of success. Um, you know, was the National Junior College Player of the Year last year. And he's really started to get going um, for us. Like I said, we had an inner squad Monday and he did a home run and a double. And, um, you know, you can just feel his confidence. He is a really good kid, uh, a really hard worker and, and super competitive. And usually those things play out like we talked about with Golson earlier. Um, those things find a way of um, showing up on the field, and, and he's done that. Leatherwood's a little more of a quiet guy, goes about his business. It's a really good left-handed swing. Sometimes he gets a little too uh, too pull happy, which can happen early in the fall. Um, you know, we're trying to get him to use the whole field right now, but um, you know, I think if if we started tomorrow, which we don't, and a lot of things can happen between now and February fifteenth, I think I think both those guys are in our lineup. Trey LaFleur is going to factor in somewhere. He had a homer in the scrimmage, but he could play any number of positions, first base, corner outfield, he can pitch. What's the plan? I know it's early, but what's the plan right now? Yeah, I think right now um, primarily he's an outfielder and primarily he's a hitter over a pitcher. Um, And that doesn't, you know, when you throw left-handed, usually we find ways to get you innings, um, not just here, but anywhere. Um, But, you know, was drafted by the Dodgers as, as a hitter. Um, he, he ran like a six, five, five, um, 60. So he can really run. He's a little bit raw in the outfield. His best position is first base, but what's what our personnel is. Um, you know, he needs to play the outfield with as athletic as he is and us having, you know, uh, Graham and, uh, Baker and Van Cleve over first base. Uh, he doesn't need to be in that log jam. Um, but his his calling card is the bat, and 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 I think the more comfortable he gets, the better he's going to be. And he's shown some signs of uh, being really special offensively. If you come out and watch him take BP, um, which you've done, uh, there is no doubt um, that that swing plays and it's real power. So um, he's just going to continue to get better. But I think in answer to your question of of what is he, I think right now all of us would agree that primarily he's left-handed hitting outfielder. When you look at the lineup, if you had to handicap it, that outfield is probably the biggest question. So who right now, if you had to roll out an outfield starting three, what would it be? We'll get right back to Ole Miss hitting coach Mike Clement after this brief word from Modern Woodman. You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? 
Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your Modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America. Touching lives. Securing futures. Gosh, that's uh, that's a really, really tough question. Um because it's wide open out there. Uh, I think that the toughest one for me to answer would be who plays center field. Um, and, and not because we don't, you know, we're lacking for candidates, which obviously those two football guys would be candidates for that spot too. Uh, I, I, I feel pretty good. And again, I'm not the guy with the magic Sharpie. He's at the, uh, the other end of the hallway. Um, but, but I think Leatherwood factors in there somewhere. And I think Tim Elko probably factors in there somewhere. Um, and then the other one, I can't even give you a great answer yet. It's playing out right now with a lot of different options. And, you know, the other option, you know, would be to send an, an infielder out there, which we've done the last few years, because uh, the guys who have played really well are, are three, three middle infielders have played exceptionally well early on. And that's Sir Video, Justin Bench, and then Peyton Chatnier, a uh, freshman from Houston, Texas. So, if that continues, maybe one of those guys who all, all three are super athletes um, bumps out to the outfield. Um, but again, you got Kate Sammons and Josh Hall, Ben Gilbert. There's a lot of options out there. So, um, yeah, I can't even give you a great handicap on the center field spot. What's the deal with Josh Hall right now? Uh, he's he's kind of going through the, the thing that Josh um, sometimes will struggle with. And, and, you know, last year we were so offensive and hit a bunch of home runs. He, he's just got to remember who he is and what we recruited him to be. And that's, you know, obviously our fans saw last year, you know, that guy only had 30 some at bats, but he stole 10 bases. And, you know, he played in 54 of our 68 games because he's exceptional running the bases. And so um, you can't steal first base. Uh, I guess you can in the like Atlantic league right now, uh, um, some independent ball where you can try to do that, but not here. Um, and so we got to have him get on base. He's got to know who he is, not hit the ball, um, as much in the air and figure out a way to, to get on base because if he gets on base, he's a real threat to, uh, to score every time because he's as good as anybody I've coached at stealing bases. What do you want the identity of this offense to be? Yeah, I don't, that's a good question. I don't think it's any, I, I, I want it to score a ton of runs <laughs> and I think any hitting coach would say that. Um, but I don't think it's going to be a ton different than it's been. Um, I think we are a team um, that I think when we roll out our best nine, uh, it's going to be a team that has some power to it. Um, there'll be a couple guys in there that I think are, are uh, guys that can really steal bases. You know, obviously Sir Video is going to be in there, save injury, and, you know, stole whatever it was, 24, 25 bases last year. He'll be right back in there in a more prominent role. And, but I think at the, at the, at the cornerstone of it, it's going to be guys that are a little more physical that can, you know, hit a lot of doubles and dingers. And uh, that's always been my offensive philosophy uh, more than playing the West Coast or the small game. And so, um, and I think I think that, that parallels uh, 
with, with what Mike wants to. And so uh, I, I really think that is at the core of us who, who we're going to end up being. Kale Baker then fits you pretty well. He told me straight up that he's a home run guy, but he doesn't go up there looking to hit home runs in batting practice. He's trying to hit a double in the right center gap. That's how he likes to approach things. Have you liked that about his approach, that he's not looking to go up there and launch? More or less, he's looking to go up there and just see ball, hit ball. Yeah, super unique guy as far as how his practice works. Um, he would be opposite of Thomas Dillard. Every time Thomas Dillard picked up a bat, he was trying to hit a ball as far as he could. And while their games probably play similar as far as um, what, what, what we want from a run production standpoint and who they are, um, Kale goes about it way different. You know, when, when, when he was a younger player, he really struggled flying off the ball. And I think you wrote about it and, and, and talked to him about it. But uh, ironically, he, he listened to a podcast with Freddie Freeman and Freeman talked about how when he's in there, obviously the left-handed hitter, he's trying to hit ground balls at shortstop. And again, I think you chronicled that and that's who he is. After a week of being here, I had to pull him to the side and be like, Hey, Kale, what are we doing? <laughs> and and very confidently, and he articulated it great. Uh, he told me exactly what he was doing, and I said, "Okay, okay." Um, and because he looked like a slap hitter um, in BP, and I'm like, "What is this guy doing?" He led the country in home runs last year in junior college, and um, but he he knows exactly what he's doing, and uh, I think he he and I working together. Hopefully, we've gotten a little more out of that because you know you can't just hit ground balls to second base uh during fall ball and practice um i want to be able to see uh that you can drive the ball and he has done that and uh his approach is really really good when he's on it and and it, you know like you said started out slow but he, but he started to come on and i think he knows exactly who he is do players have to earn that trust with you as far as taking ownership of their own swing or do some guys you just allow them to come in they know it better than anybody else and you try to guide them along how do you play that role how do you walk that line yeah, um, and I, I, I don't want to sound uh, – yes, they need to earn it, um, and they need to be able to, like we just talked about with the conversation with Bake and I, um, if they can articulate it like he did um, and does, um, I, I try to give them a lot of freedom within, within you know, who they are offensively. You and I both know there, there, there are times where they don't necessarily know, and that's okay. And at that point, I need to take a little more ownership and control over it. But the hope is by the time they've been here and sat through some of the bats and everything, that they know they're swimming the best, that I don't, but they do. Um, and then I can help guide them through that. Some guys, Tyler Keenan as an example, come in with a really good knowledge of who they are and what their swing is. Uh, other guys, it takes time. Cooper Johnson is a good example. It takes time to work through that. Those are both of the extremes, uh, you know, of guys who came in and had success right away. Uh, and then guys who, you know, took time for them to have success offensively. Um, but everyone falls somewhere into that spectrum, I think. Um, and, and just building a rapport with me and having me trust them to be able to go out and kind of um, do their thing and give them a little more freedom from that standpoint. What does Hayden Dunhurst look like? Number one, uh, been really impressed with him defensively. Um, hard to say there wouldn't be a drop off, uh, after Cooper Johnson is no longer a rebel, but it's not going to be a huge drop off. I think, you know, he's probably, uh, one of the highest rated players to make it to campus in the country and and maybe the highest rated catcher to make it to campus. So, um, he's special defensively, does a really good job behind the play can really throw, um, and he's a left-handed hitter. It's, it's real power. Um, he 
probably right now chase a little more than I, what I'd like him to, but that, that comes with being, being young. Um, I think he's got a chance to be pretty special. He can really use the whole field. And again, a left-handed hitter with power that plays that position becomes really, really valuable. Derek Diamond has been impressive so far. Any other arms that have stuck out, those young arms, those newcomers? The two newcomers that, you know, as a hitting coach that, that um, are pretty scary are Diamond, um, who is just kind of playing catch at 92 or 93 miles an hour. It's pretty impressive. He, um, I, I think there's a lot more in there. Um, and I think he's got a chance to be special. Um, and then the other guy is Drew McDaniel, who's a really, really good arm um, that that it comes out of a really good uh, freshman, Lafayette, Louisiana. Um, both of those two have impressed with their stuff. Just the pure stuff um, has been has been pretty special um, from a new guy standpoint. But the last guy that I would mention um, is a guy that probably doesn't get talked about a ton, Wes Burton. Southern California, Santa Monica, I think. Um, big six foot six, six foot seven right hander. Um, he's been really, really good thus far uh, in the fall, and he was kind of probably overlooked by us and other people in the recruiting process as far as one of the high end arms. Um, but 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 it's he's he's starting to figure it out. I think you know he's forced himself into us thinking that there's got to be a role for him in the spring. But I love our arms. I, I mean, I think. Obviously, the returning arms, there's a bunch of them coming back that, you know, we have confidence in. But then there's three or four new guys that uh, that have a chance to, to make it a really good staff. Six 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 seven. that release point, that pitching plane, that's tough for a hitter to see, right? No question. And, and you think about a guy like, to your point, Austin Miller. You know, it looks like he's pitching out of an elevator shaft and straight downhill. Um, he got as many swings and misses in the zone as anybody on our staff. And when you look at the radar gun with Miller, it's it's not super sexy. It's it's not um, some sort of but but he goes out of a really awkward slot because he's so tall, and his fastball and his breaking ball come out of the same plane, and it's really hard to pick up as a hitter. And he gets a ton of swings and misses with really 88 to 91. It's not 92, 94 or anything like that. Well, last one I'll let you go. I know that as a coach, you'd prefer to have veterans upon veterans like Thomas and Gray and Cooper an Etheridge and whoever it might be just filling out your sure. entire roster. But in a year like this, when you got so much turnover as a coach, there has to be something invigorating about that, right? There is. Yeah. Like from the start, um, it's fun and, and can be frustrating. You know, it really can like, uh, we're out there doing, doing first and third defense yesterday. And it's like, what are we doing? Um, but, uh, there's also some things where you see, uh, accelerated development from like week to week. Whereas, you know, a year ago right now, and believe me, I would love to have him back. You got a guy like Greg Kessinger and he is what he is. Um, now that doesn't mean he can't get better or anything like that. And I think that he did, but you have a pretty good feeling. You know, we probably talked on, on, on this interview a year ago right now, and you and I kind of both knew what we were going to get out of some pieces. And we're super excited about the offense because it was really good. The neat thing about, young guys is the man you can see changes from week to week and uh that makes it fun you just got to keep them steered in the right direction and hopefully they continue to develop and um it doesn't overwhelm them because um there's some really talented guys you know that typically don't get named the number two recruiting class in the country just um just because so there's some really good ones in there and um it's it is it's fun to go out and, and practice every day because um it's something new every single day 
He's Mike Clement, Ole Miss hitting coach, good friend of the program, regular guest. I might get you to just come on like every week. It's so easy. I just ask you like three questions and you talk for 20 minutes. Perfect. <laughs> I love doing it, man. I appreciate you. That was Ole Miss hitting coach Mike Clement, and this has been Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. My thanks to Bunky Perkins. My thanks to Mike. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. Make sure to leave that five-star review. Doesn't matter what you say. Just make sure it's five stars. I also write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, definitive 247 Sports. More great guests coming next week. You know how we do it on Talk of Champions. If you got a request, I'll do my best to get it done. I want Patrick Willis. I'm trying. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I'll keep plugging away. I hope you have a great weekend. Ole Miss and Texas A&M kick off at 6.30 p.m. Central Time on the SEC Network. Maybe your weekend will include an upset win of Texas A&M by Ole Miss. Who knows? Either way, we'll be back next week to talk about it. This has been Talk of Champions.